0: You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about, actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, and author of a new book called Auction Ready, How to Buy Property at Auction Even Though You're Scared Shitless.
1: And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner and mortgage broker, and together we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property.
0: Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website, Website as well as download our free, full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? The elephantintheroom.com.au.
1: Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp and we have a cracking Dumb of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking.
0: The real estate industry is fast coming to terms with how the coronavirus is changing the way we do business. Suddenly property managers need to be up to date with government stimulus packages and be able to effectively communicate and support both tenants and landlords who are under financial stress. Overnight, auctions went online and sales agents had to cease holding open houses. They've had to change the way they qualify buyers and handle negotiations. Everyone in the industry has had to field an avalanche of questions from their clients, questions they don't know the answer to most of the time. And of course, they're also worried about their own financial position. How will they survive when commissions dry up, when falling rents erode their recurring revenue? When it comes down to it, are real estate agents really equipped to take on the role of trusted advisor in this landscape where calm guidance is so desperately needed? Here to discuss these issues with us today is John Cunningham, who has had a long and distinguished career as a salesperson, auctioneer and principal of his own agency, Cunningham's. On Sydney's northern beaches. Now, John has made a significant impact on the industry as a whole. He's been the president of the RAI New South Wales for a couple of years, a few years back, and taking on the role of chairman of the Professionalism Committee of the Real Estate Institute of Australia and really spearheading a whole new movement. Now, you may recall our last interview with John back in episode 12, where we discussed the future of the real estate industry and the pressing need for reform. Well, it appears that the future is here, So welcome, John. I'm looking forward to this conversation today.
1: Thanks, Veronica. Thanks, Chris. So, John, good to have you on here again. Um, I mean, how did it feel when you got that call that uh, you probably thought it was inevitable, to be honest, probably already pre-prepared, but when you actually saw it on the news, I don't know if you're watching it at 10 o'clock when, you know, open homes got cancelled, auctions got cancelled, um, was it a big freak out? how did your team react? you know what's changed? Oh, look
2: it wasn't a surprise. I mean the reality was that it, we knew that um, you know there would be staged entry into uh, into a shutdown or lockdown. so the objective was to be prepared um, in advance for that um, to actually have the team in, in a, with a mindset that change is going to come at a rapid rate on a day-to-day basis and therefore we have to adapt to it so, um, yeah, it wasn't like a shock. It was like, okay, now we move to um, Plan B. We were in Plan A. We now do Plan B, and we thought about Plan C, and we thought about Plan D.
0: I want to know about Plan C and D. What do you <laughs> What do you think might happen? Well,
2: Plan Plan C was was where we are right now. Um, you know, that's the you know the four stages of of, uh, of New Zealand are in Plan D. Um, so it's like, okay, how do you, you? We understand that's how it's going to play out. Um, by studying and understanding how these things work. So therefore you adapt your business according to to what you can control, what you can do rather than what you
1: can't do or can't control. And so what are the major differences between, you know, businesses usually versus plan C you're in now? Obviously you've got the, the simple things like the gloves and the hand sanitizer and, you know, Temperature check maybe if you're going that far, but what are some of the other things you're doing that you were never doing before? Look, I think the, the interesting thing is
2: I call this is 1977 revisited. Um, you know, we are basically dealing on a, on a one-to-one basis so that the concept of, of the trusted advisor really only exists when you've got personal contact um, and you're, you're dealing in a, in a, in a service-based thinking so the biggest shift for everyone is going to, to the private appointment concept. The way that we do it, the, the sanitizer, all those, they're just the rules of engagement that exist in that space. The biggest change that occurred was mindset shifts from agents and mindset shifts from consumers to say, well, this is the new way we do things. There's no right, there's no wrong in, in what is the best. It's just this is how we can do it. So how do we therefore facilitate the best outcomes in this current environment um, or the next environment, so you know the, the move into that digital space where you've got you know your workflows digitally enhanced by technology, and, and then you've got the the things that have to happen regardless. You've got to exchange a contract. Well, that's not a problem. You can do that that digitally. All the things that came as a result of the shifts that had to take place were just simply a a nuancing
1: of a, of a, of a old way of doing business. we have got two mindsets. You've got the growth mindset, and the uh, I don't even know what the word is. I just think about it's growth yes, mindset. So yeah. Yeah, the, the one who kind of gets stuck in, um, you know, present-day thinking, etc., cetera, um, doesn't really think forward. But as a um, if the, the positive kind of real estate agent out there, reality is you've got a product that you need to sell and you need to find a buyer. Isn't this shift potentially going to get you better relationships with your buyers than if you run an auction campaign where people are just rocking up to your open homes and are kind of avoiding you and don't want to talk to you um, now they have to, you know, book a time with you and actually be, you know, talk to you. Yeah,
2: I think it's 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 fantastic, particularly for the agents who have only been in the in the industry, say, the last 10 15 years, um, who have been to an extent, particularly during those boom years of order takers, um, they weren't really engaging in in a, a building relationship of trust, because that's what it comes down to, and, and you know. Fortunately, I started my career a long time ago where this was the only uh, currency that you had. Um, at that time, you, you were engaging on a one-to-one basis. Uh, you were discovering, you were understanding. I think understanding to me is the, the key component here. Unless you're actually understanding what your client's needs are or your customer's needs are, you can't actually deliver um, what they need or want. So discovering, understanding, and delivering back um, solutions uh, that uh People sometimes didn't even know they, they needed because you actually understand what their needs are. Consumers don't fully understand what they're entering into and you guys would, would understand this more than, than anyone. They're, they're very much in the dark. Um, our, our job is to guide them and, and now this is the greatest opportunity agents have got to actually understand that.
0: It's really interesting what you say about a lot of agents have been order takers, and it's very, very true. Um, Maybe not so much in the two years of the downturn, um, but certainly in the five years preceding that and since uh, last May. But what I'm finding is this real mixed bag in the agents that we're dealing with out there. There's those that relish, you know, and they just roll with the punches. It's like, okay, this is a new way we've got to engage, we've got to ask more questions. Oh my God! The buyers are giving us the answers. You know, we're qualifying those those um, those buyers before we actually make an appointment because it's inefficient to let everybody who wants to look at a property come through. Um, and we ask them about their finance. We ask them whether they've missed out on other properties. We ask them exactly, you know, where they're thinking on this property, and they tell us. And that's that's some feedback I'm getting from some agents. Other agents I'm finding are like their head spinning. They've got no idea what to do. I guess if they're not being led by a, by a sales manager or a principal who understands what they need to do now, then they it's really interesting seeing people who've only been in the industry in the good times because they, they seem to feel like everything's going to fall off a cliff. And the, the amount of panic that goes into some of the advice they're giving their, their, both the buyers and the sellers, it's just appalling.
2: Yeah, look, it is it's, it is interesting because uh, what I find um, both interesting and frustrating, and I love turning you know frustration into fascination, that even during the boom years and even during the, the times of, of low stock, high demand or, or balanced markets, it doesn't matter what the market is. The market's the market. The agent has to ensure that they adapt to that market very rapidly. Right. But Probably more important than any of that is the fact that um, no matter the market, we should be in this discovery understanding mode. We, we, we don't really have an excuse. Even if you've got 50 people coming through a property, they've all come there for a reason. And we've got to simply do one thing, and that's to find out why they came through. Now, each one of those people, and this is how I view it, have a, have a, have a purpose in your business you have an opportunity to find out what their needs are and look at it either in the short-term, medium, or long-term as to how you deliver solutions to those people. Mm. So this, this to me is like nothing's really changed. Um, all that's happened now is that rather than trying to have expedient two- to three-minute conversations where you can get as much information as you can before you move on to the next person, you're actually going to be having 20-minute conversations where you are going to actually get to know these people. Um, and those people are going to be your future business so nothing's changed. It's just the the way that you're going about it. There'll be less consumers, so less buyers in the marketplace. They'll be still have a necessity or a need to to actually transact in some form. There are still sellers that will have that that need to transact in some form. And I was talking to someone this morning on a, on a uh, webinar about this. So I said, you know, the reality is we might have had eighty people come through a property over a a three or four week period, and there's only one buyer that can buy the property. Yeah now we might have eight people that might look at a property over eight weeks and there's still only one person that can buy that property uh it's more likely that one person's within those eight people or just sorry just as likely that one person's going to be in that eight people is in the 80. so it's it's an interesting dynamic where we're focusing our energy into um really discovering and we call it we we're going to find out our ready willing and able buyer list that's our currency at the moment for potential sellers that has far more relevance than any marketing that we're going to do. Not dismissing the marketing elements, that they that's changing significantly as well. Um, but it's when you actually get to find who these people are and you ask them the question, if I found the home of your dreams, the home that you've you've given me the, the criteria that you want, even though you said you're sort of out of the market, if that property came up, would you like me to give you a call? Now, nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes. So... The concept of discovering what people think they need
1: and what they really need is, to me, where the great agents are going to shine at the moment. <laughs> it's a really interesting point because what you're saying is um, potentially the number of buyers have left the market. And I'm getting the same thing on pre-approvals a little bit. Like um, a lot of people who were thinking about buying are saying, oh, I'm not really sure about what's going to happen and work and things like that. And I think you're talking to the same people on the other end of the the transaction right and you're calling them and saying you know are, are you still in the market and a lot of saying well no I'm not in the market but and you're saying you're flipping it on its head and saying well if I find the right property are you in and they're saying well yeah I am so they're kind of convincing themselves they're not in the market but really they still are yeah. if that green property comes on which is really interesting
2: yeah I, I, without a doubt I mean it, it's it's been a you know a standard question forever and a day it just has more relevance today because of people going I'll go and sit on the fence and you know it's it's incredible and one of the, again, one of the, um, the the questions you ask people, or, or one of the, the realities that you make sure is clear to them, do you realise that all the people who are sitting on the fence right now are going to come off the fence at the same time?
0: Which is what we saw at the end of last year, of course. Now, yeah. with with that, but you know, herd mentality, <laughs> social proof, all that sort of stuff, the things that we talk about in this podcast over and over again. Um, with that, how how is inquiry, um, you know, on the ground with you guys? I mean, I guess what would you say has happened to your your requests for appraisals, so potential new listings? What's happened for your, your buyer inquiry? So have you got any sort of numbers around that to give, it, give us a sense of, you know, the, the reality and the immediacy of this? Because we've got to remember that, you know, beginning of March, clearance rate was over 80%. That's a month mm. ago.
2: Yeah, look, the reality is everything's changed. Um, you know, we, we look at last week, for example, and the number of inquiries we, we got. Um, there's two things. There's, there's inquiries we generate and there's inquiries that we, that we get. So one's proactive, mm-hmm. one's reactive. Um, we generated more inquiries um, and uh, uh, the number of actual reactive inquiries was down by 75% week to week. So we, we had one property the weekend before. We had 17 individual viewings of that property um, on Saturday week ago. Um, that same property the following week had two individual viewings on the property. It sold um, uh, as a result of the, of the 19, you know, 21 all, all up. We ended up with two buyers. It's interesting the ratio still have not changed that much. Mm. Um, and we've had other properties where the last week we've had zero uh, reactive inquiry. Um, so, uh, if you looked at the numbers, 75% down on that, but our actually um, proactive inquiry has increased by probably 150%. In other words, agent actively going outsourcing um, buyers, reactivating buyers, doing those sort of um, what we call care calls. Um, but they're, they're response calls, in, in my view, that we want to actually get response to put them into right, into the into the loop.
0: And what um, about on the listing side of things? Have you found appraisals
2: that- were really active uh, for the two weeks up until this week? Um, it's an interesting shift as well because we're moving into school holidays, and they vary from state to state. But in New South Wales, we're shifting to school holidays this week, um, and uh, and a lot of private schools have closed anyway. Most people, kids are at home. There's this, at the moment, this transition period I think we're going through where people are just going to sit on the fence over Easter um, and we're just offering, you know, virtual appraisals. We're offering real appraisals. We're offering two-tiered appraisals. We're offering all kinds of appraisals. They're still <laughs> happening but they've, they've dropped, again, probably by 70% in that week uh, and but- I would have expected that during this transition, and then we'll go into the next phase.
0: But it's sort of funny because it's like, what is Easter? Easter and school holidays is usually an issue, in, in particularly in family areas, because people go away on yeah. holidays. So it's like, <laughs> oh, great, I'd rather have Easter off, I might go to my bedroom. Um, you know, it's, it shouldn't make any difference in the current climate. You well, know. It, does. It,
2: it does, because it's basically a time to take stock um and i think that's the, the key when you go through periods of change and we've gone through um, um a month of complete and utter uncertainty in other words what can we do what can't we do where are we heading when is this going to be over and now we're going to get these positive um outcomes uh that give us hope uh and hope is a, is is a, a, an incredibly important currency at the moment To so, say, well, okay we're gonna we are going to come out of this the numbers are declining the biggest um fear is that complacency will set in and we'll see those numbers start going up again. Oh, yeah, um, And and there's, you know, we've, there's an idiot born every day and there's plenty of them still out there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if we can control the idiots and, and keep bringing on those $1,000 fines, um, I, I'd like to see someone get an $11,000 fine actually just to, to shake it up. Um, yeah. Right now we're going to come into the next phase and that's what I'm getting my guys ready for at the moment is the next phase. Um, and and I, I believe there's going to be a three-phase uh, exit, um, not only just from the point of view of, of government requirements and regulations, but also how the market will respond. In late
1: 2019, we what was causing prices to rise um, so dramatically was the buyers came to the market before the sellers came to the market, um, and so there was lots of buyers. You know, Labor didn't win the election, interest rates are low. Let's go, let's go buy a property, basically. And the sellers said, "Hang on a sec, my property is not going to fall 25% anymore." Um, maybe I should try to do that upgrade. And there was this lag of sellers hitting the market. So if, for example, those inquiries do come to sell at the moment, John, um, as, it, as someone with a, an abundant sort of growth philosophy across your whole business, which I assume that's the case, um, how, how are you actually saying to those buyers that don't have to sell, or those sellers, do you basically say to them, look, you know, maybe we should just kind of watch and wait till the end of the year for buyers to really come back? I mean... The sellers that you know aren't going to go sell anywhere else and they're customers for life, what's some of the advice you're saying to them um, right now?
2: Yeah, really good question, Chris. And I'll go back to what Veronica said earlier about, you know, people giving advice that uh, is a bit panic-based and, and and not really well thought out. We're, we're giving um, our potential sellers uh, advice that starts with going through um, an understanding process of, of what's actually going on first. Let me get let me gets you to understand what's going on. Then let's look at what your options are. There's three options that you can do. You can go to market, uh, take a long view, um, and, and and see whether your buyer, that ultimate buyer, could be here next week, they could be here next month, they could be here in three months' time. So take a long view, but be in the market for that opportunity because yeah. property selling, the person that would love your home more than anybody else um could have just sold their place the day before um the reality of of, you know that's why auction programs are only three weeks because you pack it in and there's plenty of buyers in in the hot markets for them to actually activate a competitive environment clearly right now if we can create an environment where there's two buyers which we are still creating um we get the best outcome but we're still getting the best outcome with one buyer because it's about desire and what they want that's, that's step one that's option one i should say Option two is, look, you know, if you're in no hurry and you want to wait for the market to um, to change and be in that marketplace, that's great. That's that's not a problem. Let's look at the consequences of each step. So that's the consequences of that step. What's the worst thing that can happen to you right now? That's an a, a, you know, open question. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? The answer is quite simple, is the market doesn't change. It stays the same. That's the worst thing as a seller that can happen. On the flip side of that... The market may decline. You sell now; you're ahead of the market when you go to go to buy. Um, the market's not going to be rising, so we, we're not we're not going into a space where that's a concern to any potential seller. Um, sell it on a delayed settlement. Sell it sell it um, and then go and rent somewhere. There's plenty of rentals out there um, because we can still move home. So therefore, it comes down to well, what's really driving their decision to to sell. And I, I talk a lot about time. You know, you've, we've only got a finite time on this planet. Um, you know, Do you want to wait another year or do you want to actually make the move now if, if we can achieve the right objectives for you and then you can move that those funds into another property? Um, mm. How does that look to you? Um, so it really is making sure they understand the, the drivers and understanding the pros and cons of it. And then we can actually say, okay, does any of that make sense? Would you like, and this is one of the key questions, would you like my recommendation? right? Because they're wanting guidance. They're wanting to know that you have the solutions, that you know what you're doing, and that your advice is based on good facts and <laughs> figures and skills and knowledge, and therefore you're worthy of their trust. And they go, yes, please, what, what do you think I should do? You can only get there when you've gone through that exercise. And, and that, is, that is to me what uh, being that trusted advisor, that guide on their journey, on their property journey is all about.
0: I'm interested to know what's actually happening with prices because you say that you know good outcome is when you've got two buyers on it, um, uh, or one. And and I'm seeing a mixed bag. What I see in a transitional market, and you use you use that word, and I use that word as well, is I see inconsistencies. And there's inconsistencies for a number of reasons. One is because you've got owners with different levels of motivation. Some may have been caught in the crossfire, i.e. they're bought already. Um, Others may not be in that position, but they do want to move, but they don't have something to move to. So they're going to hold out more than somebody who's already bought, for instance. So you've got different owners with different uh, individual pressures. And then you've got different agents saying different things. So if you've got trusted advisors who are, asking them lots of questions and going through the different scenarios with them and helping them understand the, the consequences of each each approach versus those that are basically you know quick 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 sell now before it all falls off a cliff it's never going to you're never going to be in a better than now etc 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 there's plenty of that going on right at the minute too oh, okay. so yeah so what and then buyers of course are then are then out there dealing with these agents and getting these mixed messages from different agents. And so we're seeing some, yeah, we've, we've been in some competitive situations on some properties. We've seen some properties sell for a reasonable price some sell for a little less than we would have expected. Um, others just not sell there at all because the owners are, are fixated on a price and they're not, they're not meeting the market. So w- what are you finding, I guess, on the ground where you are in terms of the prices that you're getting today that you might have got a month ago?
2: Yeah, uh, look, it's definitely changed. There's no doubt about that. We've got some results that I would say, again, it's sporadic. It's, sporadic. Um, you, it's not consistent at all. We, we've got some sales that I would say haven't changed from a month ago. Um, mm. And again, we were pretty peaky figures a month ago. Um, others, um, we have had seen some where there's been uh, sellers who needed to sell because they've bought and, and they've probably come off 10% just yeah. purely out of the fact that they wanted to transact. Yeah. I would say if I took a general view, an average, it would be around 5% um, at this point in time. Um, could it continue to go down? Absolutely, it could. It could, We could see a, a 10% across the board. There's economists pitching 20 30%. I don't see that um, just due to the fact that we'll go into a bit of a hiatus at the moment with buyers and sellers in less um, numbers. Mm. But when we're talking to buyers that the 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 interesting thing is that there's this sort of always two types of buyers' there's the buyer that really wants the needs to do something now um, they're actually more emotive and they're making a decision they might have already sold they need to buy or they can go and rent that's a choice um, most people want to be in their own home so mm. they're, they're they're buying at the moment and they're saying, absolutely, if I find the right place, I will, I will be diving in. Um, there's opportunists, um, and it's, it's interesting. Now, when's the best time to, to buy when, when there's a crisis? Um, is, it, is it at the beginning? Is it in the middle? Is it towards the end? Um, and, you know, those opportunists will make their own decisions. I'm not going to um, uh, have any conjecture on how, what, is, what is the best time. Um, but usually most opportunists who think, who think they're opportunists aren't, they miss it as you probably guys would well know. Yeah, they yeah, often yeah. join the, the throng at the end with everyone else that's come back off the fence.
0: Well, that's why garbage. You know, they're so focused on a bargain that they actually lose sight of the actual asset itself.
2: So for us at the moment, it's really understanding what those buying drivers are. So, again, we'll be dealing with less people, but we'll understand them far more. Um but also give them information that will enable them to make a good decision. So the influencing that we're doing right now um, is is about saying, okay, have you thought about this fully? Uh, You've got your finance in place now. You may not not get that same finance in three or six months' time depending on on our our fiscal position at the time. So think about that. You may not be able to get what you need. If you're in a secure job, you're both in good jobs where there's no issues in relation to, um, uh, you know, have been stood down or having your hours reduced. Um, factor that in as well uh, right now. So it's making people aware
1: of, uh, of the environment they're in uh, and then they'll make a rational decision. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think the, the people who are probably in a bit of trouble here on, and you've probably got these clients on your books that um, did buy before selling um, and, you know, they bought and they, you know, maybe in February and then they listed their property in March um and things just aren't going well and i think they're the ones who are you know unfortunately going through a lot of stress right now where they have to meet the market um, there's a finite time on how long they've got to meet that market as well and um they're potentially getting opportunists and lowball offers and um are you, how, how are you dealing with those clients john have you got a few of those or are you seeing that
2: look, look we are and and they're definitely they're they're in in that stress mode um, and you know we, we're making sure that they're working with our brokers to, to look at solutions um, yeah. due, due to the fact that, that you know the banks are coming to the party in, in deferred payment plans and things like that um, the, the op the, the concept of bridging finance today is not like it was when when I started out when interest rates were 17 18 percent um, you know yeah. this this is a great time to actually get, get some bridging funds if you can get it and, and say, okay well I'll, I'll, I'll take that three months with a bridging and I'll cap it on my um, onto my loan and I'll figure it all out later. Um, but, you know we, we're making sure people consider that rather than walking away from deposits. you know that, that, that just leads to a truckload of pain um, and, uh, and potential court action and all kinds of messy situations rather than saying, well let's see how I can fi- actually finance this thing. Um, over a six-month period um, and and see how that works. It's just going to be an extended loan option or a a higher repayment option down the line. Um, So, yeah, making sure they're getting the right advice um, and bear in mind that we're not giving them that advice. We're heading to people who who will give them that advice. Um, But it is, is, they're the ones in stress. Um, So they're either going, okay, I'll take the hit now and and cap it onto my um, my new debt. Um, yeah, or I'll carry this property and, and try and sell it in a better time. Um, you know, all each one there's there's not a a um, the perfect outcome, but there's an outcome.
0: It does lead into uh, another side of this equation, which is the rental side of things. Because obviously, if that's going to be an option for people, they've got to be able to think, okay, well, now I need to rent the property out for a period of time, or maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. I guess, but um, what how are you, I guess on the tenancy or the property management side of the business, what have been some of the, the hurdles and the challenges that your property managers have had to deal with that you know you've never come across before?
2: Yeah, well, the, the reality is we haven't. Um, in, even in GFC and, and those, those times, it, it wasn't about rent um, negotiation. It was about at the end of the lease, they're either going to stay or they're going to or they're going to break lease or, or they're going to renegotiate the lease at the, the, at the end of the lease. This is an entirely different world. Um, And to me, uh, we've had a couple of landlords say, Oh, look, I just, you know, with all this going on, I think I should manage the property myself. And that's the craziest concept (laughs) for anyone to do right now to manage a property themselves. So we have to explain to them what that means and what they're getting themselves into to do that for the small saving that they're going to make on our. On our on our fee um, for them to actually embark on the journey for the next six months um, with what's going to happen um, would be the, would be insane. Um, so that's that's one element. But flipping over for the for the property manager onto the tenancy side, um, you know, they are in, in in a place right now where the hours that our property managers are putting in to negotiate um, yeah. outcomes and still do all the jobs that they're doing. Um, is 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 unbelievable um and you know it's it really is you're seeing your your your, the value of your property manager not only to the client but to to the business in these situations and they're they're put under massive pressure so we're spending a lot of time um working on dialogues uh, mindsets with them to understand um this is uh, people might be under stress but you're there to help them not that you're not there to be abused, or in, the, in, in that in that sense, you're there to help them. They have to understand that you're there to help them. So, you know, in our business already, we've got 7.5% of our of our tenants have requested help. Um, so far, we've had five percent, or sorry, about 70% of, of those landlords have agreed to terms. Um, we are waiting on the other 25% to come back with the detail. We believe some of them won't come back with the detail because. They've been opportunists. Um, I don't like to say that, but but some people are yeah. opportunists in these in this environment. Um, and so, therefore, you know, they have to understand that it's like applying for a property for lease. Uh, you have to supply information for the landlord to make a decision on you. In this situation, it's exactly the same. We need this information to enable the landlord to make a decision. The landlord might even actually be worse off than you are. Um, so yeah. we're, we're going to have to work through this and, and come with some solutions. We're still waiting for the state government to to. Come back with their decision, which we're now expecting to be Saturday or early next week. Um, so those pressures on the property manager uh, and the communications that we're doing to both our landlords and tenants have to be very well thought out, um, because the last thing you want to do is get criticised for your communications. And we've we've had um, some of those already. In, in you know, here's a list of government things you can do. Um, and you'll get criticised for, for doing that. Um, you know we're here to, to help you, um, but in return we need we need information. So let us know if you're in strife. Landlords, we're doing a lot of pre framing with them uh, as to what uh, is coming. We've done that uh, in, in each week, um, and so they understand uh, where we're at, what numbers look like, and how how the
1: what the actual options they have in front of them. I think it's a really good shout out, John, to property managers because I think they've got a tough job. Um, The reality is, you know, the amount of properties a lot of them do manage, the time, tenants not paying rents, repairs, like there's so many things they do that are probably already filling their day and now they're dealing with this um, and having to manage the conflict of interest between an investor's needs and a tenant's needs and is the tenant's needs legitimate or are they just trying their luck? And then you've got the investor who's so nervous and stressed about not having that income um, to manage and pay all their bills, which they haven't got enough buffer for, and they might have lost their job. Um, yeah, and we'll they- that. So I think it's a really tough gig. Um, and it shows the, the, the good ones are already working flat chat, and then they've got all this additional workload on them. Um, and it shows. I just sent her an email. I said, look, you know, just give you a heads up. You, you, I really feel for you right now because I know that you're dealing with all the fires around you um, just because it's just a tough, tough job um, and let alone right now. So, you um, know, I think if you were self-managing right now, imagine having to deal directly with your tenant um, who's, you know, potentially lost their job and having no independent third party to help you with that negotiation and, potentially abuse going around. And, um, we're, giving, we're doing daily
2: updates. Um, we, we, we're just to our team because it's changing daily and the expectation, when the Prime Minister put out that thing about moratorium on, on evictions, so many tenants. Oh, don't pay my rent. That's fine. Yes. And, then oh it's and getting, you know, it's like, come on. There's a legal obligation to pay your rent. You've signed a contract. Uh, this will affect your credit rating for the rest of your life, and all the other things that come as a result of that. Um, you know, this is not an excuse not to pay your rent. So, um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's great when government makes announcements, and everyone will size um, what that means. Uh, but it often isn't what it seems.
0: It's actually a good point because, you know, in my team, I've, I've you know, we're all sort of looking to the REI of New South Wales for direction because even though there's a federal announcement, it then has to be actually put into place by each individual state because the legislation is a state-based legislation. And so then we have to wait for interpretation for starters of what the yeah. government meant when they said certain things. Um, yes. and yeah, and then And then it's like... Oh, and then actually, what is the legislation in, in the the state? Um, so, how is that going to be actually rolled out? And we're still waiting, as you say, we're recording this. Just before Easter, um, we'll go to air as soon as we can. But um, but the reality is that maybe b- between when we're recording this and when we go to air with this, we will know. But at the moment, what property managers are facing are lots and lots of questions, uh, lots and lots of fear from people who have lost their jobs, or uh, and that goes for landlord and tenants as you as you've mentioned. Um, but no answers, mm. and and it's like we all want to help you, and so that's a, that's extraordinarily draining from them because also property managers haven't typically been um you know they're not uh, the property management part of a business is a very different part to the sales part of the business you know i mean they're not necessarily on the front foot with all this sort of stuff in a way as sales might need to be traditionally and typically i'm waiting in a difficult area you might you might pull me out of this mire i'm about to walk into you're right
2: you're right veronica because what it is it's 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 the actual uh, detail of, of property management mostly b- built around process. Um, so here's the things that, that you can say, so, you know, there's rights and obligations for landlords, there's rights and obligations for tenants. They understand those elements of it. Um, in the sales space, uh, there's so many, uh, so much broader implications in relation oh. to the sale of a property is, is to a lease of a property. So the, the breadth of knowledge is definitely, without a doubt, a, a different space. Right now, um, the the reality is that they're, they're living in a um, a whole lot of unknowns. Okay, here's an announcement. This this might happen. This is what you can and can't do. It's like when the, you know that that thing that ASIC put out about the financial advice. That, you know, it was just like, come on, um, mm. let's get serious about what's actually going on here. This is you, the people actually going into a negotiation position, and they need to understand people's financial um, position to do that. Um, Privacy Act issues, all these things that we've had landlords say, I want to actually see the information. Now, we have to get the yeah. tenant to do that. Um, we're not providing financial advice. We're just providing links to all the things you can do that the government have told you you can do. You know, it's 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 a crazy space and none of it's been legislated except for the uh, public um, yeah. you know, space issues. Oh. There's nothing being legislated. And so, therefore, until the detail comes out and we know that the detail the devil's in the detail. Um, not only with with what we're talking about, but with the commercial rents code, um, with the uh, Job Keeper program, the, the devil will be deep in that detail as to what isn't isn't allowable. Even the ten thousand dollar state government grant to small businesses have yep. a lot of detail, a lot of conditions attached to it. Um, so it's great making statements and announcements. Everyone thinks, oh, God, the government's doing something. But yeah, let's see what actually comes out of the detail.
0: And of course, the issue with property management business is that your revenue is falling as well. If your rents are falling, um, you know you're doing more and you're getting paid less, like we all are. And I think that's that's the thing. I mean, if we all pull our belts in, um, and that goes for landlords and tenants and, and and sort of all right the way through the whole chain, then we can all get through this. We all share the load, and I think that that's sort of an interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that do have that mindset around this and I think that's really healthy and, um, you know, we're all doing our bit in our businesses in terms of that as well, in terms of our staff, et cetera, et cetera. um, and And I think the government stimulus in terms of what they've come out with from a business point of view, is is helpful as well because it takes the pressure off business owners from sort of worried about how we are going to survive this next six months? Um, You know, we're going to get support. We're all going to get support. So I think, you know, these announcements, whilst we don't have the detail, is somewhat reassuring in the sense that, okay, help is at hand, we will get there. Um, But I'd like to pull out just for a bit in terms of the bigger picture because I know, John, you know, the the pathway to professionalism and, and looking at, well, Agents stepping up to becoming trusted advisors, becoming professionals. We all know that really, there's still only going to be a, a small percentage of the the real estate agent population that will step up and will take on this. Um, I think you said twenty percent is expected. Is that, is that fair to say?
2: Look, I would think, yeah, if if you if you create the right um, environment for it, yeah, that's my expectation. Um, uh, and, but at the same time, it's, it's a really interesting um, situation that we're currently in to see what impact that has because everything that we're currently doing has been regulated. So you must comply. When you go into actually applying some professional standards, it's a choice. And that's the, the interesting thing about our industry in relation to its willingness to um, police itself uh it's never done well at that um and uh it's an opportunity for actually for the industry to grow up in my view um to actually achieve that uh so coming out of again of this this regulated space uh i look at sweden versus australia again um you know i i would suggest in sweden yes that they would be smart enough to do that i think australia still is a It's a young country, it still has a a bit of a teenager mentality to it Um, Mm. and I think we've still got a while to go. Um, Will we attract that 20% um, out of this uh, coming out of COVID-19 crisis? Um, I think a lot of things of that nature are going to get tighter uh, into a core group of really good people and you you know who they are, Veronica, you've, you've, Mm. you've met them. Those people will always—they're running great businesses. They—they—they're part of their communities. They—they—they they, they provide great service. They've got great knowledge. So all those things, and those businesses will thrive as a result of coming out of this because they've set their businesses up to understand, uh, being agile, uh, being innovative, to adapt really quickly. Um, and Charles Darwin would be proud of us, I think.
1: <laughs> On the actual purchase side, though, I think when I've been looking at listings. Um, we're being, they're, they're getting advertised a little bit differently, right? So I'm seeing some that are price on request. I'm seeing call the agent. I'm seeing expressions of interest. I'm still seeing price guides. Um, do, do you agree, John, that the way that they're positioning, uh, even just asking price, um, is, is kind of get shown on properties? Uh, is things changing in terms of how you're marketing the properties to create that sort of smoke and mirrors um Uncertainty around the price to create competition, et cetera. Like are things changing there, John?
2: I think um, what I've observed in the last couple of weeks is a complete mash of um, the way people are seeing uh, the way to how they're interpreting the best way to market properties. so we've had we've had a similar situation in our business saying um, okay, uh, we've 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 always done price guides or we've done fixed price. Um, so we call that in our business asking price. It's like that's the asking price. It's the you know again 1977 revisited. Um, <laughs> it's it's this is what we're this is what the vendor is asking. So in other words, it's for sale. Um, then there's the guide, uh, the guide price. We're doing less and less of those. Um, we we are of the belief that consumer in this current marketplace needs much more transparency and clarity. Well, let's say transparency, clarity. What do they want? So in this marketplace, I know, for example, like President Whitney have done that. Um, they've, they've gone to majority asking you know, fixed prices. They're not doing any auctions. Um, it, it's it's about going, well, what does the consumer need right now, in my view? And what they need right now is clarity. Let's give them as much clarity as we possibly can around pricing so they go, okay, I'm going to make you an offer. I mean, again, it, it's, it's just back to the future stuff. So... Um, it's simple, straightforward, easy to understand, and, I, and again, it's what we should be doing as an industry is making it easier for for people to do business with us.
0: Yeah, and therein lies my concerns for the industry, to be quite frank, because I, what I'm seeing on the ground is, yes, some agents, like you say, they, they get it. They go, what Does the buyer need? What does the vendor need? How are we actually going to, you know, look at the differences in, in requirements or the differences. Um, Let me tell you, they've always wanted clarity. Let me tell you, buyers always want clarity. It's just that the market conditions have been such that they didn't need to have clarity because there was competition. So, therefore, you know, and they would then determine whatever they're prepared to go to. But now, yes, it goes back to what buyers always want and always value and there's less buyers around. So, therefore, agents are going to have to, to deliver if they want to sell a property. But I'm seeing an inordinate enormous, enormous amount of inconsistency around how properties are marketed, whether they're going to go to auction, what really is an auction. Anyway, you know, how, what is this online thing or is it a, a video stream or is it just a bunch of offers that are fielded on the telephone? Like... What what is this? And it does seem to we've gone to the jungle and it's like every man for himself in terms of working out what how they're going to deal with this. And it does remind me somewhat, and even the open houses, right? You've got these ridiculous, oh, we're going to open house by appointment, you know, from 11.30 to 12 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. I'll oh, contact us for an appointment. Oh, right, so I'm going to get 10 people or we'll get three minutes each. I mean, what? Like it's the stupidity of the, they think if they word it that way Absolutely that, that they're going to get away with it. And it's like, no, you idiots. It's a change and you need to, well, they wouldn't do a video still. We're saying we need a video before we'll even look at the property. Because yeah. right? we're all practicing social distancing and I don't want to look at anything
2: unnecessarily. If so, you need to understand about the property then I'll make a decision whether I'm going to view it and I want to understand that I'm the only person viewing it and, and one person at a time. It's, exactly. i okay. walked
0: into, a, into an inspection where I made an appointment and the next thing I turn and walk into a room and there's people there. I went, I've got to leave this house because mm. we're actually breaking the law. Yeah. Don't you get it? It's, you know,
2: extraordinary. <laughs> it's it, it is, I'm just blown away by what people think is acceptable right now uh, mm. it's straightforward it's black and white it's know?
0: like auction quoting legislation yeah. it's the same now you and I have both been in rooms the REO New South Wales runs these these road shows and we sit there and there's room full of real estate agents all learning about new legislation and the questions they put their hand up you know to paraphrase <laughs> excuse me sir how can I get around it yeah, and that is basically the tone of a lot of the questions in those rooms.
2: Yep, completely. And these are
0: people actually going to the roadshow.
2: Yep, yep. So, so they're, yeah, they're the ones that are actually smart enough to go. There are yes. a lot of those that don't. And that's just the, the, the nature of our industry. It's opportunist industry. Um, and again, people are looking at the moment. Um, you know, it's like okay, what what can I control? What can I do? I, I get that. Okay, um, I'm, I'm going going with that. Right. All that other stuff that's out of my control, um, I'm not going. But so many people are living in that space um, and, and this, these are the same people who want to find their way around it. Um, yes. Let's work with it, um, which is in your control, right? Mm. So here's the new thing. So this is how we're going to do it, right? We're going to have a viewing. So when people book, we go, okay, I've got a, a 10 to 10 past, a 10 to 10, 10, 10. Um, my next one I'll do at 10, 15 to 10, uh, 25. Um, and so, therefore, I'm going to be making sure I've got gaps. Um, but if that doesn't fit in, I'll come back at 3 o'clock or whatever it is. You know, the
0: problem is, though, John, 10 minutes is not enough for most people to properly look at a house that we're they We're only
2: have. allowing 10 minutes.
0: Right. So, you then, say, right, that's it. Out. <laughs> we've,
2: done, we've done all the preliminaries, um, mm. video walkthroughs, yeah. uh, all throughs all the things that they can do. And this is the, the quali- qualified buyer. So, we, we're saying mm. to sellers, We are only taking qualified buyers through. So those qualified buyers go through a series of five questions to understand what their current place is. In other words, are you ready, willing, and able to buy? We're not taking neighbors through looking at properties. We are not taking, we we are looking after our vendors' health and safety um, in these environments. We're, we're, We're gloving, we're sanitizing, we're doing all these things and we're making sure there's gaps in everything that we do. But the 10-minute thing is also a recommendation of, of less time in a space, uh, less li- likelihood of any of, of transfer. No surfaces are to be touched. You agree to that. Um, we'll be one person at a time. You have five minutes and your partner has five minutes. We're just going right to the letter of the law. And uh-huh. there's interpretations out there, but we are seriously not going there. Um, and, uh, you know, there is, I think the police commissioner this morning said something like 2,000 public dobbins in the last week um that's going to increase yeah last thing we want is real estate agents all over the, the you
1: know um the news
0: well they'll stuff it for for the entire yep. industry and and for everybody who wants to buy and sell a house in this time
1: so john the downsizer market so I, all my clients generally they're 30s 40s couples and families and so they might be getting their first time or they might be upgrading from one home to another um is, you know, a lot of the conversations I have. I don't really get, I used to get a lot of exposure to, you know, the 60, 70, 80-year-olds. Have you had many conversations with them? Obviously they are, you know, all the figures are there, that they're potentially um, not susceptible but more likely to, you know, have greater health problems if they get things like this. How are they feeling and how are they approaching to thinking about a downsize? How are their attitudes changing and shifting And what are they thinking? Because if I was a 70-year-old, I wouldn't want to list my property and have randoms walking through my property, right? So um, how are they dealing with things? Yeah, look, in in our environment, we've
2: got quite a lot of retirees in that space, downsizing, um, people moving to retirement homes, moving to nursing homes, all those sort of things. And right now we've had um, more withdrawals of people in that space than anything else. Um, so, and that's a big part of our market, a a significant part of our market. So, uh, we've, we've had to adapt to that situation again, asking the question uh, again, what's the most important thing to you? And and they're basically saying our health. Um, and so we can't guarantee that anyone who walks into their home is, is not a uh, a carrier. Mm. You know, it's there, they might be asymptomatic. That's, that's fundamentally the issue that that's happened. You know, there's so Mm. many people in that space. Um, so you know, most of those people have just said, Look, can we? And I sort of said, Oh, we won't do this for six months. And I said, Look, a suggestion can we just take this a month at a time, right? Um, we'll we'll yeah. keep your property on real estate and domain in our website, but we'll let people know when they inquire look, this property will currently will be coming, be reviewing monthly because of their particular circumstances. People go, Oh, look, appreciate that. We'd really like to know about it when it does. And then we'll let the owner know, Hey, look, we've had a couple of inquiries. They might have a slight change of, of heart, um, they, and, you know, go out, uh, go out in the back garden, um, we'll have a really um, controlled inspection if you do, but, but of course, no pressure. Uh, everyone's going to make those decisions for their health, number one. Um, but it is, it is, this is all new ways. But, again, you, you can't do that unless there's trust. Mm. And, and a trust at a different level, trust at a level of actual caring trust, so we're actually caring for their health um you know people can talk themselves of being a trusted advisor but you know when it comes to the tests it's who are you actually looking after here um is it yourself or the person that you're dealing with um and that at the moment is being tested fully
1: have you looked at potentially you know i know that some people we've had amy on the podcast before your daughter around the styling side um a lot of the sellers in the past potentially would have done you know half styling like i'll still live in the property but I'll you know, declutter and style a little bit, um, but and when I do the open homes, I still live there. A lot of sellers potentially saying, look, I just don't want to put myself to that risk. I'll just fully style the home and I'll go rent something else. Um, have you seen that as a solution to that problem or we have. That people say, yeah. no, don't want to leave the house?
2: So many nuances on that one, Chris. Um, mm. you know, yes, some people moving out, renting somewhere, styling their property. Um, we've just got one of those at the moment. Um, we've got uh, a shift in, and particularly for the stylist perspective, they're, they're going, oh, how many places are we are going to go into? What are, we're picking up, dropping things off, which we've sanitised and all those things. But when we pick it back up, oh. yeah. how safe is it? Um, so we've, we're, the concept of a partial styling has gone through a, a complete overhaul um, to we're, we're having styling kits where the, the styling kit will be delivered to the property, the owner will install them. Um, based on the photographs the stylist has provided as to where they should go, um, and the the uh, request is that uh, they do this this styling when someone's coming to view the property. But it all goes in back into the bag um, when it's not been used, in other words, it's not been lived with. Um, so again, it's it's adapting to a new way of doing it. And when it's picked up, it's it's put out the front of the property. Uh, it's picked up um, safe it's taken back to the warehouse, it's isolated for, for three days before it's touched. So these these are all the little things that have had to be developed um, to, to do things along the way. Um, and so we do a thing called photo shoot style as well, which is where we actually style the property um, when they're say, a tenant in there or, or it might be young kids and we're not going to want to leave the stuff there. Um, we'll actually do a, a styling that will... Um, be useful in photographs, but it's taken out of the property. It's then explained to buyers. This has been shot with a bit of siling. This is not how, how it's been lived with. Um, so that is, a uh, is again, another thing where it would be a controlled environment. Um, so everyone is taking that safety. Well, not everyone, most people are taking the safety first approach. We still got some people saying that this is all bullshit, you know, excuse the friend. Yeah. Um, oh. and, <laughs> and, and just living, sticking their head in the sand. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, of course you're going to get those. Um, the America's full of them. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's just, again, us adapting to, to everyone and, and what their needs
1: are. And on the buyer side, John, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, one of the problems I have when I was buying property with a buyer's agent is uh, I, uh, you know, wanted to make friends with a real estate agent. So I was very forthcoming with information, um, you know, and I think it's, you can do yourself a lot of damage potentially doing that but you've got to do it to a certain level with these sort of one-on-one sort of open you know one-on-one with an agent um, and potentially uh, you know being able and ask them asking you a lot more questions than they potentially would have what's some of the advice you give to buyers in terms of a looking after their own interests but b uh, making sure they don't shoot themselves in the foot
2: look i think the the important thing for buyers at the moment is to understand that Um, You know, this this could be seen as an opportunity for them to be in control of what's going on. Um, The reality is um, the only person who's actually in control of the whole thing is the seller um, because they'll make a decision to uh, negotiate or not. Um, The buyer is basically in a place right now where uh, the information they supply the agent really can't be used in any way other than to, assist the agent in knowing that they're serious. And, again, why we're seeing uh, it probably in terms of volume, more buyer's agent activity now than before uh, because the, the, there's a, a layer in there that the, of, of uh, I suppose, a surety that, that puts in that place because of the behaviour of agents in the past. Um, but I would, I would not be giving any advice to buyers at the moment to hold back. Uh, I think agents are really looking to, for, with, for people to work with um, to put forward off-market opportunities, to put these changeover things into place, and you'd want to be in that realm. If you're an actual ready, willing, and able buyer, I think at the moment um, you, you want to give as much information to the, to the agent that will enable them to say, you are ready, willing, and able to buy it. I'm going to work with you. I don't mm. think it's, it's, there's going to be a request for, actually, let me see your, your loan approval, I have heard of that, but I, I don't think that's that's to that level. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. are you, have, you, have you got a pre-approval? Are you ready to act? If this is the right place, what sort of timeframes are we talking about? All that sort of stuff. Um, so I would be just really open if I was a buyer at the moment to saying, okay, what's the needs? And I think, you know what, they're also going to find out, they're going to find out who the genuine agents are and who, who are, the, who are the, the, the shallow agents Um, Yeah, it's, it's really going to be obvious in this in this current marketplace. And those agents who are not abiding by the rules, immediately be wary of.
0: Yeah, it's it is immediately obvious, certainly to us, and we've been having lots of discussions internally around that. You know, those those agents that are giving their vendors and buyers a calm guiding hand versus those that are alarmist, versus those that are doing the smoke and mirrors thing. Versus, you know, it's quite phenomenal. And then there's those that actually act like spoiled children when you don't give them what they want and make their life easy. And and oh, it's quite mortifying. And I'm like, yes, I know you're under a lot of pressure. I know you want the commission in your bank. I know that. But that doesn't mean that we're going to pay you whatever price you think and mm. it doesn't mean we're going to pay you whatever price your vendor thinks. You know, we've got to make our own assessment and guide our clients accordingly. And, um, yeah, some of that petulant behaviour has actually been rather interesting, I have to say, to observe. And I think, oh, you don't belong in this industry really because this is, these decisions are far too important for, to have someone like you trying to, to
2: influence the outcome? Yeah, look, it's, it's that entitlement um, behaviour that, that really irks me um, and I just don't know where it's come from, I think whether it's upbringing or, or what it is or whether it's how they've been trained in the industry, but it just blows me, blows me away. Um, this, this is, no one's entitled to anything. It's, it reminds me of a, of a quote, I think it's Abraham Lincoln, but don't quote me, uh, where it was said, um, freedom um, is not a right. Freedom is a reward or a gift for um, honouring and following the rules of the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, right. therefore, it's, it's like your real estate licence. Your real estate licence is a is a gift um, for you and you get the freedom to act in that space so long as you abide by the law. Yeah. yeah. And the law is quite clear. So, you know, this ducking and weaving and bending and smoke and mirrors and all that sort of stuff that's happened in this industry is appalling because it's it's just an abuse of the freedoms that we have.
1: Yeah. So on the seller side, um, you know, I think anecdotal, and Veronica, you'll see this as I'm a little bit, you know, guiding buyers who are going directly to buyer's agent which are going looking at properties or they're going themselves. So I'm hearing it secondhand a little bit. But it makes a lot of sense at the moment for off market transactions from a you know an outsider's point of view. A, because you stop Lots and lots of open homes. You know, you potentially get the sellers' vendor price fast without all the uncertainty. Um, are you seeing, you know, potentially off markets rising as percentage of your sales? Um, are you potentially encouraging them? And Veronica, I guess on your side, are you starting to see agents offer you a lot more of them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that had already changed. Uh, we were seeing sort of coming out of the downturn you know 20 to 30 percent of transactions uh, the agents were saying 20 to 30 percent of their transactions were off market or pre-market so it's just a different way of actually listing the property to be honest Um, but now of course there's there's a much greater impetus for people to actually list their property off market rather than invest money in marketing and and expose their property when potentially they might wait till the end of all of this. So, yes, and, and it's also the conditions are perfect. They're, they're ripe for off-market, i.e. you can only go through by appointment <laughs> um, and then, and no, no real auctions. So, yeah, we're certainly seeing it um, in terms of uh, where the agents are coming to us with property. And, and, John, is it the same at your end?
2: Look, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the concept of off-market, I've had a bit of a think be in my bonnet about it for a while that um, they're actually on the market uh, they're just, mm. it's just it's just fake yeah. you it's know? <laughs> that's a
0: I call them fake ones and real ones <laughs> there are the odd real one but the, most of them are fake Yeah.
2: well you know we, we've sort of changed the terminology around and, and you know it's, it's, it's called Cunningham's Qualified that's <laughs> this, this is we're, we're bringing only qualified buyers through a property that hasn't actually been um, put on uh, phase one which is um, going to the web so um, mm. as soon as you put it on your website, it's on the market.
0: Exactly right.
2: is <laughs> it hasn't got to that point. It's, it's top buyers, basically. It's a dealing with mm. buyers, really, really enable buyers. Uh, again, why we're building the list, uh, build the list, service the list. It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, consumers want to see that list. They want to understand that list. Um, but that list has to be real and it's got to be acted on. Um, mm. Yes, Chris, the numbers are increasing and will be far more important in this current environment, um, particularly with that bunch of vendors I talked about that are sort of saying, well, um, okay, if the right buyer came along and the right conditions, would you sell? Absolutely. we'll stay, let's say, in this, this pre market phase. Let's actually yeah. sit here that we're only going to bring serious buyers to you, but you've got to have an agency, you've got to have a contract, and therein lies another problem. Um, yes, <laughs> um, This environment is going to be rife with illegal base showings. Um, yeah, and, and also, just
0: to make that clear that means if you don't have an agency agreement you don't have a contract of sale you're not meant to be showing the property yeah, um, no. we're often going through properties where there's no agency agreement there's no contract of sale and uh, you know I just scratch my head because the contract of sale thing is important from a buyer's point of view because if you are the only person or you're part of a handful of people and you're already willing and able to buy as John says and there's no contract you can't buy it and so then over time, one of those other buyers who wasn't ready, willing, and able could get ready, willing, and able. And all of a sudden, you got competition that wouldn't have been there had the actual agent had the contract in the first place. Yep. So, yeah. um, and then there's the agency agreement issue as well. And, and I've been through properties where they, there wasn't an agency agreement. We subsequently bought it through a different agent who actually listed it. And I'm like, well, you didn't have one. So, you, you, you know, you're <laughs> silly, really, for showing me through it. <laughs>
1: Well, I think, um, that's really interesting i mean there's no excuses really for not having a sales contract i mean reality is a conveyancer or someone can set that up in 24 hours really oh, yeah. um, look it's we, we don't don't tell anyone you know the, the interesting thing
2: with fair trade is um there's audit trails all over the place in emails text messages phone calls to people um yeah contract that's dated a week after it was showed, uh, yeah, It's just a crazy thing and, and, you know, fair trading, we're actually going to do a, a bit of a, a blitz on it until this hit hit um, uh, to sort of say, hey, you know, again, there's a lot of agents who have come into the industry in the last five years or more who don't even know about it. They still yeah. know they don't know yep. the rules, don't know the laws, and, again, it's an abuse of the freedoms that have been given. Um, well, they're both probably
1: doing it, so they've just doing what they do and then it just, you know, keep flowing down. I think you came up with the off-market versus on-market name though. I reckon it was realestate.com.au or domain, right? You're not on the market unless you're out <laughs> on their portal. <laughs>
0: uh, that's classic.
1: Every grossy. week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing a whole lot of money and are a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Please, John, can you give us an example of a property dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories.
2: Um, it was This was a, a classic early last month where um, a buyer was convinced that um, the other buyer wasn't, wasn't genuine oh. uh, and... So we went, well, you know, here's, here's the trail, here's a, here it is. Um, you're, you're the successful buyer. I, I think I've been pushed up and go, okay, well, he, he, we, we have an audit trail of all the offers, right? So this was a, a pre-auction sale, um, transparent, open negotiation. Um, you're welcome to come in and have a look at them. You know, we, we can't show you the person's name, et cetera, and he said, oh, I still don't believe that's genuine, da, 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 da. I said, look, you've got 24 hours to exchange a contract. If you don't, uh, we'll be dealing with the underbidder. Anyway, mucked around, mucked around, mucked around. Um, And then uh, 24 hours is up. We said, well, where's the contract? Um, Well, I I, I haven't got it organised yet. And I said, well, the other buyer's been on the phone. They want to pay more money for the property. Um, We gave you 24 hours. The owner gave you 24 hours and you haven't um, agreed to the terms. Uh, And so they're ready to to proceed. I think it was 10 or 15 grand more or something or other. the, the the buyer went oh this is this is bullshit da 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 um, and so we said okay well therefore you 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 um we'll send an email to you confirming that the other buyer will now be proceeding um, so anyway he he um, got the email and then his solicitor rang us and said um, look I, I haven't I just been told about this by my my client he hadn't actually told me he was buying a property uh, so he hadn't even activated his his solicitor. Um, and he said, "Look, we can exchange contracts today." And I said, "Well, it's it's too late. You know, you, this is what you've done anyway." Cut kind a of long story short, he ended up buying the property, but he paid another fifty thousand dollars for it.
0: Oh, yeah. I love a story like that.
2: You know, yeah. it was a situation where we had the audit. We offered to show it to him, which we do in every situation. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, maybe we hadn't done enough to build a trust component there or there was a distrust be, before between others. Uh, but fortunately, he freely admitted
1: it was his his fault. I love that, John. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and uh, thanks for coming on.
0: Really appreciate your time again, John.
1: Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is...
0: Well, when we're dealing with agents of varying uh, capabilities, it's important to know some of the little things that they do and say that might give away that they do or don't have another buyer on the hook. I mean, John gave a dumbo uh, where a buyer didn't believe there was another buyer um, and ultimately they didn't take action in time and it cost them $50,000. But there are plenty of situations where agents try to, to create a bit of noise and create a bit of FOMO and and try to get you thinking that there is another buyer when in fact there isn't. So I just wanted to sort of to give you a couple of tips of how to what to look for, right? So and usually what that is, if an agent is very specific about another buyer and very specific that it will sell to somebody else or there is somebody else that has made an offer that the vendor is seriously considering, then they will be very clear about that and usually around the timing around that and, and the terms. But if they say things like, and here's two examples that I've heard recently. One is, well, no, we won't entertain your offer because someone else has offered more. They might even give you a figure, but the terms don't suit the vendor. You know, they might want a really long settlement or a really short settlement and the vendor wants something different. Now, can I tell you, if the dollar is a right, they will work the terms out if any any time an agent says to you oh yeah there is another offer on but they don't like the terms that's typically for me a red flag that there isn't really another buyer there or there might be someone sniffing around but they're not ready so i wouldn't it's i can't think of one example really where the terms has got in the way of a deal the second example is where an agent says well i've got another buyer talking about an offer at x well if the other buyer's talking about that offer that other buyer hasn't made the offer and what the agent is trying to use is, is, is use that figure to anchor you up to that offer and they're trying to sort of use this nebulous other buyer that probably doesn't exist so they're just two examples of what agents may say when they're trying to sort of manufacture the sense of urgency the sense that another buyer might buy the property but they're very different to when there is actually another offer on that property. Please join us for our next episode when we interview somebody who is a little bit famous for quoting that property prices were going to fall forty percent. Now you know what we think about predictions. What's really interesting about this interview with Martin North is that we do dig in deep as to the sorts of things that he researches, and this is going beyond the headline. This is really looking at what's underlying such predictions, and should they be looked at in a global sense or an Australian global sense, or should you look at the smaller numbers in a micro sense and really understand what's going down on a granular level now You might have no idea what I'm talking about here, but you must listen to this episode because it's absolutely fascinating and will give you a sense about what the future may hold for property prices in this country.
1: Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or
0: you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you.
1: Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.